Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. For those of you uninitiated to the podcast, Keys Bartender podcast is about bartending and Keys life. Uh, today we're going to be talking about alcohol, alcohol consumption. And I wanted to start out with uh, two stories and then go into the bartending uh, thing about how they, how we gauge that consumption and when how to handle it and things like that. And it's going to be a little longer. So t- I'll talk about two incidents. Um, a lot of times you hear about me uh, not drinking and that's a personal decision. And the way I view it, and you've, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I view it as the same as, as similar to having a strawberry allergy or a nut allergy. You just don't, just don't do it. It's a bad reaction, and that's just the way I treat it. It's not the same reaction, obviously. I don't get it breaking, and uh, you know my throat doesn't close up and things like that. But there are some negative effects to my life. And so I'll talk about two incidents, kind of frame it perfectly. About, um, well, about five, six years ago, I went on a cruise with my family and we went with some friends and I had purchased, I was drinking at the time. I had been sober for seven years and then a couple years before this trip, I started drinking again. And I thought I had licked it. I thought I had my drinking under control. I was going to be able to enjoy it without doing too much. So on this cruise with friends, I booked the all-inclusive uh, package, you know, the drink package. And what happened was, and it should have been a sign, this should have been a sign, they had uh, a limit on the drinks. And it, well, I think it was 15. Your wife says it was 17 drinks a day. And I thought that was ridiculously low, you know? And, you know, if you have a difficult, if, you, if you're if you a person have a problem, you're a problem drinker, that may be a sure sure sign that, you know, you say, well, 15, 17 drinks a day are not enough. And you think about it, not everyone else uses their um, drink package, you know? So I went on the cruise and almost Every day, I used up my limit, you know, by starting starting early, ending late. I, and, yeah, 15 certainly sounds like a lot each day, but I didn't think it was a lot. I, matter of fact, I, for some reason in my head, I just thought, well, this should be unlimited. I should have amount because it's not all the same, and which we're going to talk about a little later about what, What's the equivalence between a shot, a beer, a wine? And when you just talk about a shot, it could be a cocktail too, right? A shot, same amount of alcohol in it. So every day I would start, you know, right after breakfast, after I had my coffee, I'd, at 10 o'clock, 10.30, after I worked out, I'd start having my drinks. And my wife, who also bought the drink package, was she wouldn't go through her drinks, so I would just have her get my couple drinks. Now, I won't go into the effect of what alcohol has on me, but it wasn't a, a, a pretty one, a pretty effect I met. I mean, most times I was pleasant and stuff like that, but normally I just get towards the end of the night. It's just not, I wasn't positive and stuff like that, but I did that 
the whole cruise. And the whole cruise was, I think it was about nine days. Yeah, I was 15 drinks a day. And I came back and I felt like crap. Felt like crap at the end of that. And there were, I guess there's a reason why a cruise ship says, well, listen, you know, you just can't give people everything they want. I mean, you go to an all-inclusive resort, so that's what they have there too, you know. You have how much you want. And, you know, I've, I thought since I was on the cruise ship that it really didn't matter because I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't driving anywhere. And especially when you, had to, when you went to the port of calls because when you're off the ship for like four or five hours, you weren't drinking on the ship. But I still would use those 15 drinks up when I went off the ship for five, six hours. And uh, that was one incident that kind of like really showcases my problem. Another one, I went to a wedding in Poland. And that wedding was approximately, I have to say, four summers ago. Yeah, it was four summers ago. It was nine, uh, 2019. And the wedding started, it was my wife's brother's son. So our nephew's wedding were in Poland. And they had an, a ceremony around 1 o'clock. And we arrived at the hotel where they had the reception around 2.30. And... The drinks were flowing within about 15 minutes of that. Now, 2.30 in the afternoon started, uh, let's put it roughly around 3 o'clock. And what they did in, uh, is a Polish tradition to drink vodka. And what they do is they serve it super chill, you know, almost frozen, as frozen as a bottle of vodka get. And they drop a bottle of vodka every four people at the table. And they had these long uh, banquet tables and they had a huge amount of food, a huge amount of food. It was uh, quite the endeavor doing that. But they also, when you're drinking with people that uh, it's just shot after shot after shot. And I just hung in there, hung in there. And then it was it was started at three o'clock and it was a long wedding. So I'm holding my own till 11.30, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Yes, that's almost um, 9, 10 hours. And uh, at one point, I don't remember, I ended up going up to one of the hotel rooms, uh, that suites that they were holding for the bride and groom. Because I was brought up there, which I don't remember. And I woke up around 5 a.m. when the wedding was broke up. Yes, it was a, a 14, 15 hour wedding and they had booked a bus to drive people home, people that were drinking. There were other people that had booked rides and things like that. But around midnight, they started the, the bus was going back and forth for they hired a bus out for like five, six hours to drop people off. And I had passed out for about three, four hours after drinking God knows how much uh, vodka, some beer, some some uh, Jack Daniels or bourbon they had. And it was just an all-night affair. And I, I just had this problem. I don't, when I get to my 
uh, where most of you, most of the people that listen, are listening, uh, the thing I had, when I get to a, a certain level, I just don't stop. I go until the end. Until I go, my body shuts down, my conscience, I, I black out, and I go, my body's still going, I had the tiger going. And at the wedding, I had done it so much, I really couldn't speak anymore. Sometimes I used to black out and people say, you're just not making any sense right now. And something, you're, you're, your eyes are glassy and stuff like this. The, at the wedding, it was just so much more. And I don't, um, at that point, it demonstrated to me that uh, this show is not about if you have a drinking problem. It's about spotting someone that had too much to drink. Now, it's difficult at a wedding like that where you're serving yourself. And as I said previously in past podcasts, uh, most of the time, for people like me at least, you are your worst bartender. People that have drinking issues are the worst bartenders for themselves. Usually someone else is, uh, is better. But if you do have a drinking problem, it wouldn't matter. You're just going to go and try to get whatever you can, circumvent whatever restrictions they have. And that's what... You have to watch out when you're working a bar or having a party. And one of the things they do down here is called the Responsible Liquor um, Programs. And they have them in a lot of different states. And the uh, what they do is they teach you uh, things like uh, it, a lot of it has to do with the, your size of the person that's drinking, how they can absorb, and what amount you, your body can process. Now, some people have, uh, that varies from person to person because there's all these different things that occur. It's, it's like your, your liver may, may not process the liquor correctly. So you can have someone with just a little liquor get really go off, off the rails. For experienced drinkers like myself, it takes a little more than that. And they also talked uh, about what you ate and what kind of, if you ate, and how much sleep you had, and things like that. And they do these in the meetings so, so you can start to spot how people um, react when they've had too much. And the thing in uh, necessarily working in a restaurant, when someone comes in to the bar and sits down, you really don't have an idea what happened before you, before they sat there. They could have been someplace. They could have been someplace for an hour and had a couple drinks, had three, four drinks, and their body could be processing the alcohol. They could be already have enough alcohol in their system that once it starts hitting them, they're intoxicated. And there's virtually no way of knowing if they had just recently binged binge drank. Now, if they were drinking all day, I've had people come walk in the bar and they were intoxicated already. That's an easy decision to make. When someone's super intoxicated, and when I say they're, they're stumbling, their speech, their eyes, their coordination, how they sit down, how they reach for things, how they respond to your questions. That'll tell me a lot. And sometimes you don't know if someone has a 
you got to be careful because someone could naturally have a speech impediment and you could think you could attribute that to their um i have there are people that come in that have uh coordination problems and issues regardless of how much alcohol they consume but I, re- I recall one incident when a gentleman came in and he had a very hard time getting through the door and he sat at a table and he says, we're going to get shit faced. And I'm thinking this guy is already shit faced. And he was ready. He was calling drinks to the bar. And uh, I, I said uh, to the person that was coming up to the bar when he uh, they weren't even going to wait for the server to come to the bar. I said, I'm not going to be serving you today. And they go, oh, sure, who should I talk to? I said, no, no, we're not serving that gentleman. He's already intoxicated, so I can't give you anything because I think you're going to probably give it to him. And they said, why not? We're in the Keys. And you've heard this before. Just because you're in a place that's known for a high rate of alcohol consumption doesn't mean you have a right to be super intoxicated. Yeah, you could be intoxicated in court of state of law, but I'm just talking about being able to walk and coordinate. So we have to look out for those things. We'll look, we are, we're looking at your eyes. We're looking at your speech pattern. We're looking at uh, sometimes your pupil dilation and things like that. So you got to really be careful of that. And the, the one thing you got to watch is that Every time you take a drink, and normally you got to adhere to this rule, like in order to pass, let's say, a BAC, blood alcohol content, uh, stay under that, a 160-pound man would drink one shot, one wine, one beer an hour, and that's what your body can process, so you don't go above... 0.08, which is around the standard for people. If you blow near the, um, in a a breathalyzer, near that, sometimes they'll take a little leeway if you're not done a problem. But most of the time when you do, you just got to, you got to buck up. Now, the thing that people do, who among us, if you think about most people, at least that sit at the bar, Drink a little more than one drink an hour. But that's what your body can process. But if you're drinking two drinks an hour, as I said in several podcasts, that um, those levels are building up. They're cumulative. So two, three drinks an hour. Boom. Let's say you're there for four hours. You have 12 drinks. You may be able to process um, four, four drinks. But you still have, if it's four hours, you have three drinks an hour, that's 12 drinks. There's eight drinks of alcohol, uh, eight ounces of alcohol coursing through your system. And you're way above your uh, blood alcohol content. That's if you're driving. And a lot of people are uh, much more responsible today than they used to be. It was not unusual. I drove... I can say almost every time that I drove when I was out drinking, I was probably over the content, the, um, the acceptable uh, alcohol content in my blood.
And that's a shame. I'm just, that's just the way it is. And you don't necessarily, just because you're above that level doesn't make you a problem drinker. But it can cause, now being a problem drinking, I have a problem because you drank are two separate issues. You know, you go out to have a good time with people and stuff like that. And your intention is to have like two, maybe three drinks in the course of three hours. You're fine. But someone comes up, okay, says, hey, it's my birthday. You want to do a shot with me? Do another shot. Do another shot. I had people the other last week, they were talking about, hey, you got to try this pickleback. You're going to love this pickleback. And the person normally doesn't drink uh, shots. I wasn't a big shot drinker myself. But then again, I drank as if I was a shot drinker because I would drink um, a triple bourbon almost in a glass with a, um, a beer on the side. But if you're doing shots, you're just consuming alcohol directly into your system. This boom. And the, the shot thing is in addition to what you're drinking. So that's pushing your blood level up. So you're doing it. You got to look at it. You're not spoiling someone's fun. Um, if you're looking out for people. And these are several things you got to watch out for. Not just people say, well, they're not driving. There's the first thing. I'm not driving, so what does it matter? Well, you can still get seriously messed up. I've known some people that had too much to drink and they would just fall and hurt themselves. And they've broken bones, banged up faces and stuff like that. I told you this story once before about when I had a years ago when I had the next uh, I woke up one day and my hand was all bruised up and it was uh, not just the knuckles and the fingers it was the whole hand was black and blue and I just couldn't figure out what happened I knew I was playing basketball earlier um, but it couldn't have been that you know both sides of the hand but it wasn't there wasn't some impact trauma there was some something that bruised my hand uniformly and I didn't know if it hurt so much I didn't know if the hand was broken or not my right hand and I had it x-rayed and the doctor said to me hey Mr. Horan uh, we don't know what happened but it, it appears as if your hand was run over by a car because that's the only thing that causes that uniform trauma across the whole soft tissue uh, fortunately you didn't have any bones broken so uh, that happened. I, I must have fell down, or even worse, someone put my hand under a car. Yeah. And if you don't think you have a problem after something like that, and don't remember you, your hand run over by a car, damaged so much that you have to go to a doctor the next day, yeah, you might consider that. But I'm just talking about looking out for people. And if I've had, I've driven people home, they've arrived intoxicated, I wasn't aware of it, and they've had a drink because I didn't talk to them, I just heard them. I, I didn't pay close attention. I look at him and I said, oh, my God, this person's already had too much to drink. I said, stop. How did you get here? And he said, oh, I drove. So you cannot drive. So I drove him and barely, you can barely get him into the house. Barely get him into the house. Walking him from the door up to their door into their house. And I've had to do that several times. Now, with the car thing, that is... 
uh, definitely a line. Uh, it's a bridge too far. It's a line you cannot cross with me. If you uh, have any signs of intoxication, I don't want you driving. Because not only am I responsible for you, which I feel is a very, I guess it is a solemn, solemn responsibility, but also for other people on the road. So I don't think I feel the need to explain that to people. But what I say, I explain to the person when I say, listen, you can't drive. There's no way you're going to drive. Well, I'm, I'm leaving. I said, well, no, you can't drive. Give me your keys. And I said, listen, I'm doing this for you. Trust me. I, I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. Uh, and and then if I have to, I'll just say, listen, if you hurt someone else too, that would be, and you, God forbid you hurt, kill somebody, that's vehicular manslaughter. You know, vehicular manslaughter. You can go to, you can go to jail for a year, years. The minimum thing that could happen to you is that you lose your license. And I'm not talking about vehicular manslaughter, uh, manslaughter. I'm talking DUI. Years ago, years ago, and uh, we're seeing, uh, because they do post uh, pictures on our Monroe County Sheriff's Office about the, you just see the people that are, resp- you know, normally responsible people. They just, you just make, um, you have a lower threshold for rational thought. Your rational thought goes out the window, and one of those things is, yes, I get that. I mean, it's fallacy that you're you're better driver when you have been drinking. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. The law will not see it that way. So you have to do whatever you can when someone comes in. And for, uh, first of all, liability is an issue when you're bartending. So anything you serve... To that person, you contributed to um, that person getting DUI. You could be responsible for that, and you could be charged for that. It's a chargeable offense to serve somebody who's already intoxicated. Uh, and a lot of times, it's not um, just if you see that they're intoxicated. That's why I mentioned that you don't know what that person had before you got there. So you can have give this person two drinks. They had five drinks before they got to the place, and it's all coming. All the chickens are coming home to roost, meaning all that alcohol is hitting their system. And then you see the effects, and you go, oh, my God, what happened here? And the person disappears. You don't know where they went. I mean, the best-case scenario, they get in an accident in your parking lot, and it stops there. But the worst-case scenario is something happens on the road, and someone's hurt. When even worse, killed. So when you're when you're thinking that, you're thinking of responsibility. And when I'm talking to them, I I mention and it is a thing. I say, listen, I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to be exposed to that. You shouldn't you shouldn't be driving in the con- in this condition if you're stopped. That you will lose your license and it will change your life for a significant amount of time. And the things, and I know the things that they're going through today are nothing compared to what they would be going through if that happens. They could be having some good time right now. But um, I ended up getting one, uh, getting 
uh, tagged with a DUI when I was, I guess it was close to 30 years ago, 30-something years ago. And not only is it, uh, you know, you're, you're mired in shame, you have uh, difficult... And I was, back then, I was released on my own. I was called ROI. When I showed up in court, I didn't get representation. I ended up getting released on my own recognizance. I spent the night, I spent the night, or when I got caught, I was put in the back of a, a van. Uh, they kind of jostled me around, handcuffed me, put me on a, on a bench, and, and drove me around, took me downtown, Philadelphia, put me in jail overnight. Um, had it, me in front of a magistrate within a couple hours. And then I, uh, about five, six hours later, they released me. And just let me go. And I, you know, we ended up getting, uh, taking the bus home. And what proceeded after that, and this is under the best of circumstances, I had to surrender my license for a month and had to go to a responsible driving course in Pennsylvania where the gentleman who was teaching it was, um, must have been a gentleman well acquainted with a 12 step program because he kept on alluding to that you might have the people that were attending it might have a problem and it was um and afterwards after you completed this you had surrendered i think while i was taking the course i had surrendered my license for a month then you got it back or you reapply for it and then you have 10 years following if you don't have another incident then you uh they expunge that um, DUI from your record, or it's expunged. Today, that doesn't happen. I don't think there's any place that happens, and some places much more severe. The first time you stop is, is, is you know, there's some serious repercussions for it. But, you know, you think after something like that, you'd be done drinking and driving. But I didn't stop drinking and driving. I drove several times, more than a few times, intoxicated, way intoxicated. Uh, I can't tell you the dates or anything like that, but it was super irresponsible of me. Uh, I I will not, um, I'm not going to say I wasn't responsible because uh, even though I consider myself an alcoholic, it doesn't mean that I had it. I mean, I had a decision whether to drive or not, and I could have decided before I went out that I would leave my keys and figure out a way to get home. But I did drive. And a couple of times, I even had my cars side of side of my cars all banged up uh, from uh, grazing like a sixteen wheeler's tires, and it just had black marks on it. Sometimes hitting guardrails, or maybe even worse. I mean, worse meaning hulk cars. I don't think I hit anybody. But you can say when you have a problem like that. And that's what I'm going to finish with today. Um, if the, if you really think about it, if your life is controlled by these things, that's the reason why I can be, um, I can still be a bartender. I've accepted the fact that a lot of people can go out there and have a couple drinks 
have a good time, drink responsibly, and go home. And that's it. Now, whether my issues with alcohol has nothing to do with these people around me, uh, they're drinking. And I accepted that. I accepted that I can't drink because eventually I'll drink too much. I'll start drinking too early. I'll get upset if someone tries to cut me off. Yes, if you get upset when someone cuts you off, that could be a, a sign of that. But I'm not here today to tell you about if you have an issue. But if you do find that you have an issue, if your life isn't going too well and alcohol causes your problems with your relationship, causes you legal problems, employment, your mental health, if they could be tied to drinking too much, you might want to consider trying to abstain from that. And there's a lot of different programs for that. There's a lot of different programs because I, in, in, in general, I want people's lives to be positive, have a, you know, hey, did, did your future to be bright. And when you have an issue with, either, whether it be food, drugs, alcohol, uh, or anything that's addictive, gambling, if, if it's taking over your life and causing you know, detrimental effects to it, it would behoove you to do something about it. Uh, as a bartender, I don't go and tell people they might have a problem. That's up to you. And the most people I realize that, um, that do end up changing their lives for the better made a decision on their own. They may have been, in, that decision may have been instigated by a thought or an idea introduced by someone that cares about them. But generally, uh, recovery is all about your uh, taking personal responsibility for those things. And if you're regularly ashamed about your behavior, doing, you know, doing it and putting yourself, putting your family, your friends, yourself in a detrimental position, maybe you should consider that. I know, it's unusual. We're doing a Keys bartender show, and here, here I am telling you, say, hey, maybe you drink too much. Well, maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's not, I, I like I said, I don't see alcohol as an evil. Anything could be evil, really. Sugar can be evil if you're a diabetic, Right? A walnut could be evil if you are um, have a nut allergy. That doesn't make nut walnuts bad. Doesn't make sugar bad. You know you can't. But a diabetic shouldn't be eating a lot of cake. Um, someone with a nut allergy shouldn't be eating walnut. An alcoholic shouldn't be uh, drinking alcohol because it's detrimental to. But most people aren't that way. And just because. I'm not that way. I can't be responsible with it. I just chosen to abstain. And I work at it. And it does. It doesn't make my life perfect, but it does remove that issue from my life. I mean, I still have my issues. I have my anger issues. I have all these other things that go through my life. But the one thing I don't have anymore is I don't have to deal with uh, worrying about being stopped. 
intoxicating, hurting somebody, hurting my family, hurting myself. So that's all I have to say. Yeah, it's kind of a downer today. I wouldn't call that a comedy or anything like that. And, you know, it's not much of a comedy show, but you know what? It's Keys Bartender Show. We are in the Florida Keys. And um, I think it should, every so often, we should be honest with ourselves about uh, these issues. That's it for today. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Bye.